football on off the ball. Thinking this boy will be on the next level. And now the R8, I think he turned up in, you're thinking, my God, he must be good. And then he gets on the pitch and you think, not so good. Join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. The Racing Pod on Off The Ball with William Hill. Best odds guaranteed on all Irish and UK racing. 18 plus. See gamblingcare.ie. And you're welcome to episode 13 of The Racing Pod on Off The Ball with John Duggan and Johnny Ward. Remember, we're here every Friday with analysis, race previews, tips, stories, crack, interviews. The first half of the pod each week is free to air. The second part is exclusively for members. So be sure to sign up by going to offtheball.com forward slash join. For members this week, we will preview Saturday's action at Nace and Newbury. So subscribe now for all the juicy info. Johnny, how are you getting on? Good, JD. I see over 20,000 people at the Dublin Racing Festival on the Sunday. The Saturday, I think. The Saturday. Yeah, and the Sunday was a bit quieter. So I was away, but um, this is a staggering success story. I mean, it, apparently around a third of the crowd were British. Um, so they came over. For, I think there was a good package. Now, the, the flip side is, anecdotally, it, it did seem to be stretched to breaking point. Um, I think when Galileo took on Fantastic Lies, I don't know you were racing that day. 2001, it wasn't. That was no. one. Apparently that was like, that goes to 20,000. Very rare you get those crowds nowadays, but they've marketed this very well. And the influx of British race scores, which, which is it's kind of turning Cheltenham on its head a bit. Yes. Massive success story. They probably do need to work a little bit with... Um, See, punch tends to lots of space. Yeah. It's, it's actually, there's a massive difference in Leverson and Punchstown. When you go there, you realise it. So maybe Tim Husbands and his team will take um, learnings from this going forward. But these are good problems to have. Like race courses have major, major issues trying to attract crowds day to day. Festivals are doing well. But there are, you know, the King George had a really, really decimated crowd this year in Britain. So it's not that um, everything is rosy over there. And Leopardstown and everyone deserve massive credit for this because they've really worked on the British race score and he or she enjoys coming over here for top class racing. What we'll do is actually at the start, Johnny, we'll look at the Dublin Racing Festival and maybe see what the clues are for the Chatham Festival, which is coming up in next month now just over a month's time. So William Mullins' domination, that's the first thing. And look, it's not his fault, right? Eight grade ones, eight grade one winners. Um, when I went to Cheltenham in 2002 for the first time, I was really intimidated as an Irish journalist going over there just by the magnitude and the scale of the size of what this is, what this meant when I was a young person going. And it took me five years to get into the press room. And in 2004, there were four Irish winners at Cheltenham out of 20 races. That's 20%. Ooh, who were they? Uh, well, Brave Inca was one total enjoyment off the top of my head. I that well. Uh, then in 20, it was going 2014, 44% of the winners. We don't need four winners in... In 2004. Wow. Uh, that was and, my second Cheltenham. Last year, 64% of the winners. In this year, you got 65% of the entries for the Grand National Irish trained. So, of course, if William Mullins is the best trainer here... And Ireland is so dominant in horse racing, both here and in the UK. It's not a surprise he's like grade one winners in a way. We should be, people are kind of almost shocked. It's not a shock. It's not a shock, no. And Paul Townend wasn't on the right one a lot of the time, which wasn't a shock either because he was on, um, he was on novices. He, you know, I'd say some tough calls to make. Danny which is really good for the integrity of the game oh, as well. Totally. Danny Mullins wins on Dancing City was like 16 to 1. Tipped on the, the live road show, tipped Dancing City 20 to 1. So... There you go, like was probably the outsider of the Mullins horse in that field, given everything. Danny has a treble uh, of grade ones, like an unbelievable day. None of them favourite, none of them the first string for Willie. Um, so it wasn't that, like Willie has, has, has really embraced this festival, you know, and I think he had a, 
I'm paraphrasing maybe a bit, but I think he had a little bit of a dig at Nicky Henderson for not running Constitution Hill. He was like, he was extolling the program that Galvin Deschamps and Stateman have enjoyed and just saying these horses are happy to run. They're going to come there fit and well. And maybe there was a little bit of, um, you know, a bit of mis- uh, mystique in his eyes or having, having a bit of a crack about, you know, the Constitution Hill wasn't there. But the point is, Willie Mullins was happy to say, save you have a powerful owner. And he says, listen, I want to, um, and you have a lot of egos involved in the game with big owners, obviously. And he or she says, Willie, you know, I think this race will really suit this horse. And Willie might be apt to say it will, but I probably have something better in it. That's just how it is. So you might be um, on the second string in my yard, but they'll be running on their merits. And if Willie had taken um, the approach that he wouldn't run that many horses in the big races because he wanted to um, ensure that they were kept apart so they, that they wouldn't suffer defeats, it would have been a pretty bad Dublin Racing Festival. Well, the Dublin Racing Festival is a new concept. It's only coming in the last couple of years. And this time of year was about two races, about the Gold Cup and the Champion Hurdle. That was really all this meeting was about in February at Leopardstown. Um, I'm just wondering, though, should he have left Galopin de Chance at home? Because Galopin de Chance won at Christmas by 23 lengths. It was more workmanlike this time. The ground uh, was pretty poor last week to, to be riding on. So I think he did well in the circumstances. I'm just wondering what it take the edge off him a bit going to Cheltenham. He has disappointed twice in his career. I know they they saw that as an end point in itself last week, the, there's an Irish Gold Cup. But if you're looking to win the Cheltenham Gold Cup, was it the right thing to do, I wonder? I think that's an extraordinary view to take and some people do take it. Like, Mouse Morris didn't run Gentleman's Game because... Well, I, find that, like, I mean, you said about Gentleman's Game and I think you're absolutely right. Gentleman's Game is the freshest... It'd be fresh as paint going to the Cheltenham Gold paint. Cup. Fresh as paint. He... You see, Mouse would say he's had he's had growing pains now. The horse, rather than Mouse, right? So the horse is big, <laughs> and he's he's afraid to to risk him. And I think with Willie, you know, he is a creature of habit. I think he thinks Galvin Deschamps is able to take his race, and and I completely agree with what he said. If he doesn't win the Gold Cup, he was taking on three runners in the big, pretty much the big race of the two days at a Dublin race festival that is now more attractive to a lot of British race scores than Cheltenham itself. I genuinely believe that they came over here to see top class horses, and he won the race. It was a brilliant race to watch I thought as much as Paul Townend was able to kind of go his own um, funereal pace at times watching JJ Slevin try to figure out how what's the best way of me winning this and also not necessarily finish fourth and second if I go after him too early on ground that was very testing it was a brilliant race to watch um, and he's won the, he's won that he was brilliant again he's won two grade one back to back in Ireland and if he doesn't win the Gold Cup like he might he might be injured come, come the Gold Cup anyway you got to take these races as they do you come think they're on. the best two horses in the Gold Cup picture Gallop on the chance of faster slow. Um, they could well be, but I, I do think Gentleman's Game is, is one of those horses that'll come there and will will be will be very well. Like faster slow, I I it's hard to see him reverse the form. That's the problem. If you want to, maybe they are the best two in the race, but like, can you really see faster slow reversing the form come Cheltenham? Uh, un- unless something happened to the favourite, I don't really see it. Because um, I, I I think the excuses that were offered after his two defeats now become very valid. I thought Fast and Slower in a very, very good race, so did nothing wrong. So we mentioned Dancing City there, who I still think is underrated, Dancing City, because he was second behind Ballyburn at Punchestown last season. We see that form as being franked. He also won his point. So I think this horse is still under the radar in terms of a staying race at Cheltenham, potentially. Although I still think the best race I've seen in the last few months in terms of a staying hurdle or mid-hurdle in terms of distance is the one that reading Tommy Wrong won. Mm. Um I think it was at Nace. Nace, that's the big race. That Nace, was rescheduled, yeah. yeah. And he beat uh, Elon, uh, Elon Atlantique. But in the juvenile race, so Storm Harsh was hugely impressive at Punchestown. Maybe the ground once again took the edge off his turn of foot against Cargis. 
Yeah, I, I actually backed. Um, I backed Paul Townend round in this because I just thought that's it, the one. Yeah, the prices he was he was getting like he went, went out to sort of he was maybe five to four the day before and coming to the off he was nearly three to one, and um, I I sort of backed him each way thinking you know he'd be thereabouts but he didn't really have any excuse. I think maybe maybe the ground to an extent but taking on good juveniles here this was a really interesting race because I think Willie had um, did he have five of the first six home. Um, just looking here, so Cargese, Stormheart, Marsborough, first time out for the yards, yeah. really eye-catching. Ethical Diamond, though, was the horse that I put up. That finished um, six, but it was only beaten five lengths, very eye-catching. Now, if that horse were to um, get a mark before the Fred Winter, uh, I'd be very, very interested in it. I don't think the ground was ideal for him at all. Went off 50 to one, there wasn't a bean for it. Um, really interesting runner, and Calaconti was just ahead of him. So, I, I thought... I thought that race was fascinating in, in its own right, but also as a trial for both the, the four-year-old races at Cheltenham. And again, you've Willie running all these horses who were basically on their merits and trying. And uh, I, I wouldn't be ruled out Stormheart at Cheltenham for all that Sergino looks. Well, there was and the horse that Sergino actually beat in France, yes. whose name escapes me, is now with Willie Mullins for the Donnellys. Um, so I'll find that for the end of the show, but there's a connection there as well. That horse hasn't been seen in Ireland yet. So. Well, the Chinese government came to Dublin and it was kind of really low-key a few weeks ago and they had this plane, the biggest Nothing ever. low-key about the plane. Uh, the plane, I saw the plane on my social media take off and it was just like, this is some fascinating 30 seconds of footage and beautiful weather. Dublin airport, this Chinese plane taken off and looked a bit afternoon and then I tracked it. I tracked it over Moscow and I tracked it over the Ural Mountains and everything and see where it was five hours later on his way back to Beijing with the, the, the Chinese Premier. But that's why I kind of felt like Sergino was going to do that. He was actually going to take off uh, when he passed the winning line at Cheltenham in that juvenile race. I haven't seen a horse win like that in quite a while. Probably, probably Constitution Hill, obviously, but he kind of almost races in a different way. But this horse was something else. Very hard to see him being beaten at Cheltenham. Yeah, and he beat, it was, it was um, Salvador, Salvatore Mundi, who he beat at Otoy in April, um, and I'm always I'm always intrigued when the when a an owner snaps up a horse um, that beat his or or finished second to but like the the Donnellys obviously like both the horses because they they have the two of them now and Sergino looks a monster I really like Bird of Road I do wonder did Bird of Road run his race he was all out to finish second he looked very tired but Sergino was monstrous and the Caldwell Potter moved to. Um, Alex Ferguson's and Alex, Alex Ferguson and, and also to Paul Nichols all of a sudden like he beat Predator's goal he looks he looks a really good horse brother to Mighty Potter cost three quarters of a million during the week but now you have the two heavyweights in in or the two traditional heavyweights in Britain um, Nicky obviously who's still talking up Shishkin in the Gold Cup Nicky has Sergino and obviously Constitution Hill and a couple of others and now Nicholas is a very very good novice himself so the champion chase picture El Fabiola won effortlessly at Leopardstown, we had Sean Flanagan at the Le- Racing Pod uh, live roadshow, our first one there at the Mason Hotel just over a week ago. And he was kind of speaking about, I asked him about, well, Al Fabiolo tends to maybe not jump that fluently at times. And is this a worry for him maybe being on the deck at one stage? And he said he'd almost rather have a horse that mm. um, ha- is quirky, makes a few mistakes, but doesn't fall as opposed to one that falls out of the blue. Like John Bond's mistake there in his last run, knocked the stuffing out of him and he was very lucky to not park company with James Bowen. So I kind of get what you were saying, but it's just hard to... to, to, to you, you'd be pretty confident person to be back in the Alphabiola odds on at Cheltenham. Yeah, well, it depends on how your day is going away. Because <laughs> Cheltenham can get the best of you, you know. I remember Big Bucks was the horse that, like, if you were sort of in Stuck, like, he'd do the job. Um, El Fabiolo is probably a bit more of a bit of a roller coaster ride, but I don't really think he looks like falling anytime. And uh, he and Paul Townend now have developed this relationship where 
Um, I don't think there's going to be a problem with him. And having said that, I expect John Bond to give him a bit of a raise. Do you rate Alba Fabiolo superior to John Bond? Yeah, like you'd you'd have to because yeah. he be no. Nicky Henderson would say that John Bond wasn't at his best last March, but um, I was disappointed in him the last day to be honest. Well, that state man, the vibes from the Mullins yard are very, very bullish about this horse, and he's been visually, I think, more impressive this season. He's won all three of his races. He should be closer to Constitution Hill. Will he be close enough? I wonder. I think Paul Townend was of the opinion that he wasn't quite at his best in, in March um, and it's the only evidence we've ever seen of him being vulnerable to anything like this is uh, so many things in, in life are relative JD you know I, I always find like when everyone was poor in Ireland nobody was poor if that made sense but when you bring inequality into the mix and like there's massive chasms between the wealthy and the poor that's when problems begin and if we didn't have Constitution Hill we just think this horse statement was the best ever like we think he, this is as good a two miler as we've seen he's, he's hammering everything but but then he runs up against Constitution Hill and he's beaten like 12 links. So it's kind of like, was that actually his true running? And if Constitution Hill is that good, he must be the best jumper I've ever seen. Because Stateman is exceptional. He's, he's the most reliable horse. The most I'd say Paul Townend, of every horse he's ever ridden, this is the most straightforward. He just does everything you'd want him to, except he once ran into Constitution Hill, who should have been at the Dublin Racing Festival. And Willie is kind of probably, he's enjoying it. But the two-mile division, let's be honest, has been very boring because he's comfortably superior to everything else. And having said that, in Perry Passing, who was ridden forward on this occasion yeah. as was suggested on our roadshow it's like well he has to ride him differently the first kind of I think it was the first audience uh, comment was like they have to ride him differently they did ride him differently and he ended up probably costing him second place because Stateman is very very good I think he's disappointed this season in Perry Pass I have to say the mm. freshman up for entry um, Marine National Gaelic Warrior so Marine National Barry Connells put it on the ground and Gaelic Warrior just surely can't go over fences left-handed. Do you see it that way? Uh, I, I'd, I'd struggle to see him going to Cheltenham. Um, this, you know, the Gaelic Warrior fact file race was the black mark of the festival, really. It was just a, a bit of a goo-boo situation where all of these things combined to make it a mess. And then you had Gaelic Warrior, who I would say in a, in a, on another day, Paul Townend might have even pulled him up. He was just like, well, you know, I'm fighting for... Considerable prize money to finish second here. I'll keep going, but he jumped the last so badly for a horse that all he had to do was pop it. So he was restless beforehand. I, I think there was more to it than just going left handed. I think it was a complete off day for him. Yeah. Back to file, it's Bucks Mark Walsh during the week. I, I do think they really like this horse. Like, but is he better than Grange Clare West? Well, that I, don't was, th- I don't think he is. But Corbett's Cross was in the race as well. So Yeah, I don't think Corbett's Cross is natural. Maybe not. Now, they brought him, obviously, to Ferry House on Wednesday in a four-runner race, and he ended up colliding with another horse and being brought down. But if he had come here, which to me would have been the logical place to go, but like J.P. McManus would probably forego running in a group, a grade one at Leopardstown to have a Cheltenham winner, even though it's a bit of an egg and spoon race, the four-miler, the three-mile sixer as it is now. So went to went to, obviously, a lesser race. Grange Clare West, on the other hand, he just—I think he was casting his box, so he couldn't run. But he—we don't—we just don't know where Factor yeah. Pile is. But they do like him because they would have run him over hurdles otherwise. Mm. That they're going the Florida Pearl route does say that they do mm. like him a lot, and we'll see what happens. As for Marine National, that was my—I I think it's the first time I've ever backed him. I, I thought he was practically gone by because I, you know I, I opposed him at Christmas. This is really frustrating in race, and I, I laid him at Christmas because I thought he wouldn't handle the ground. He then bolted up at Christmas, but now Barry Connell is saying that the ground at the Drum Race Festival was quite different to Christmas. There could well be something to that. Now, there would be an, a, a, an expression of doubt as well about how, how 
kind of physically sound he is because he found nothing and he did have he did wear it he's worn a tongue tie this season yeah so disappointing you know JD just for a horse that's um, I, I'm not giving up on him at all at Cheltenham I'm still in the Marine National camp on okay. better ground Presu- presuming we'll get better ground yeah but that was a disappointment the so other Cheltenham clues I mean I would say to folks don't read too much into because of the ground mm. I think on spring ground at Cheltenham if it is that way in March it does get kind of windy in that bowl at Cheltenham on the assumption um, uh, that'll be the case you can forgive a lot of horses. I remember a couple of years ago, Willie Mullins had a load of winners at Dublin Race Festival, but none of his Cheltenham winners actually ran at the Dublin Race Festival. Mm. Uh, it wasn't the case it's last funny year. funny you mentioned the two horses at Nace. Like, there are two other novices we didn't even see yet. Well, reading Tommy Wrong and Il- Atlantic, you got to follow those horses, yeah. folks. Uh, Yates Star ran well in the three-mile handicap hurdle. Uh, probably another win in the Mayor Brucio I took out of uh, Dublin Rice Festival. thought Ballyburn was good. Uh, Dino Blue is so admirable. What a lovely mare. Uh, Bob Ollinger, I think, should go to Aintree. And Percival Lagalwa, who Gavin Cromwell trains, was at our roadshow, uh, fell in the handicap chase when he was challenging at the last. He's well treated over fences if he can jump better. Percival Lagalwa. Yeah, and he, he was very sweet, I thought. The roadshow, the lads were brilliant. Thanks to everyone who came. And Gavin was very sweet on um, Pat Doru in the big handicap, who just ran into one, maybe yeah. didn't quite jump well enough. But if you backed him each way, you got a great run for your money. Um, and Percival Lagalwa, I think his best days have yet to be written. The first roadshow was a great success, as Johnny said, at the Mason Hotel in Dublin. And there's a lot more to come, so stay tuned for more details. So, Nav on Sunday, we're going to look at two races in the free-to-air section. Uh, the Boyne Hurdle at 2.45, the Grade 2 on Sunday. Uh, I like to capo glory in this, Johnny. Uh, comes into the race as a winner at Cork earlier in the month. Has a good attitude. He ran well at Punchestown last year at the festival. I think he's got an each-way chance. Yeah, it's a it's a very, very difficult race. Some real familiar names. Sorry to Burley, obviously, I presume, going back to try, try it again in the stairs hurdle. Um, Blazing Cal, who, looking at the betting here, has been put in a short favourite. That's risky enough uh, in the sense that this... Won the race last year. Won the race last year, but has only run once, twice since uh, 2021. Um, and obviously... Um, what was 5-1 to one last year presuming and then obviously went to Cheltenham didn't run too badly at Cheltenham all told but questions to answer Delta Work and Galvin obviously will have other plans ahead as well and we'll, we'll see how those horses rock up in the next few months but the Capo Glory good horse I wouldn't rule out Hidden Valley Lake as well yeah, Shalikov the sire of hard one to pin down he's only yeah. had 5 runs uh, flopped over fences Rachel uh, is suspended I think at the moment okay. so Daryl Keefe's picking up some nice rides at the weekend and uh, I'd maybe go with Hidden Valley Lake to, I, to, I think it's a tricky race and um, a grave renewal of it as well at a, you know the, the Boyne Hurdle is, a, is as much a prep for sort of other races as well but 2 mile 5 uh, around Navin on this ground is going to be really really intriguing for the jockeys like the, the ground at Ferry House JD was as bad as I've seen pretty much ever on, on Wednesday OK we also have Ashdale Bob in the race and Beacon Edge will be ridden by Jack Kennedy this is Navin Sunday heavy ground and that to climb and the 10 up novice chase 345 a great two um, it's interesting that Paul Tannen rides Nick Rocket over Manella Kakuna in this one yeah that, that wouldn't have been straightforward because Nick Rocket he was he was only um, sent off 2 to 7 um, the last day which was his second chase start now he'd run in that really hot race behind Corbus Cross but the horse that he beat tactical move landed a gamble then um, at Gorn um, and he's not a bad type at all and he beat him by 7 lengths was on that basis the three miles on heavy should be fine I, I'd maybe Nell Cocoon or Danny riding Danny could win on the stable yak at the moment I'd maybe <laughs> maybe slightly prefer him I, I, I'd just at the prices um, but it would be a close one it wouldn't be ruling out um, 
Favre de do American Mike for me I just thought he was very disappointed at Limerick well Favre de do is a mudlark but I'm just a bit worried about him going left handed because mm. um, he jumped right handed at Leopardstown he's pulled up at Cheltenham going left handed the ground suit so I think he's got questions to answer so does American Mike because uh, a bit like his hurdling career and he hasn't trained on in his chasing career because he was like he beat fact to file First time out, I think factor the run. But like and then beating twenty five lengths at Limerick. Yeah, well, it, I, that race has been a bit of a graveyard for everybody. Um possibly ground related, but if it were if it, it were ground related, he's not going to get any better here. He, he let Tetons aside. But I, I can't have American Mike, I can't have Senesia. I'm gonna go for Manella Kakuner because I think it's a course and distance winner, sets so the standard. Um I think he probably needed the run at Leopardstown. He jumps well. His novice hurdling career was at a very high level. I'm going to go for Manelica Cooner like yourself. So make mine a double J, Johnny. Uh, 245 Nav on Sunday. Decapo Glory each way at 9 to 1. Do you have one for the... I'll go with Union Station for Chris Jones and Gavin Cromwell. 213 tomorrow. Okay, what price around that? Um, at, a, at a guess... Seven to four, maybe. Okay, yeah. Union Station and Decapo Glory for the Make Man a Double J on the Racing Pod uh, this week. This is the Racing Pod on Off the Ball. If you're listening to the free version of the podcast, we'll be leaving you here. But if you're looking for more, including our analysis of the Saturday cards at Nation Newbury, go to offtheball.com forward slash join to subscribe and get the full podcast every Friday with our racing tips, insights, and stories from the week's action. So, naced on Saturday, Johnny, um, I was looking at this auction novice hurdle, uh, the 155, Captain Cody, sixth in the champion bumper at Cheltenham, uh, his Goran Park uh, win, I think will make him very hard to beat in this. You also have Blizzard of Oz, answered to Kaif from a small yard, but Captain Cody for me. Kraken race, it's the, the race in which Captain Cody ran as um, Goran the last day, kind of... Um, it was it was one of these sort of you know not many horses could actually run in it by the nature of it and it turned into a bit of a penalty kick, um, but at the same time he was very very impressive. Um, I think he went off about four four five to one on beat back to normal who reopposes here. Um, now Blizzard of Oz is an interesting one again the second string but like if you look at this horse's form JD um, second to Florida Dreams and an entry Grade Two bumper last year. Um, so like this is it's a hell of a second string to have. I, I don't know if Paul Townley will have made the wrong choice in this one, but um I'd be I'd be wary to think the Blizzard of Oz won't give him a big race. Answer to Cave as well. Um this is a horse I'm actually a bit of a fan of. Uh, tipped tipped up this horse at Fairy House when tipped it quite strongly on the back of its maiden hurdle win and ran a blinder, just ran into Walford Whispers. John Chinnick is a really likeable character and he, uh, Terence O'Brien has taken him on. Very, very big fan of him. Terence is claim seven as well, so not without a chance. Good races. So he's a small trainer, uh, Terence. Yeah, trains in kind of that heartland, I think, in North Cork. Very, very nice fella. And John Chinnick's, um, when you interview him afterwards, he's just really pushing good form. He's claimed seven. Terence says he's, when he came to work for me, he couldn't get over his, his hands, how good he was, like the style of him, and um, particularly over fences. This is a good horse. So was a surprise winner and is already an eight-year-old. I was at Limerick the, the day this horse won, won a good race and um, is going to put it up to the others. Just a pity there isn't eight, the eight runners. Uh, we have the Graveyard Bookie as well. I love the name of that horse, mm. the Graveyard Bookie. Uh, I remember you were down there at Limerick. I was actually in the bar at Leopard's Ten watching this happen because it was a horse fell in front and he came from he came from Cork to win. Uh, likeable type, Eric McNamara. A shell of a horse. Could be something in time. The graveyard bookie. The horse that, yeah, now is the hour was the horse who fell. That that race as well at Nimerick that day, I, I, they're always quite um, ripe for something to happen because I think it was a race where 
there were, again, it was the spec- specification as to who could run it and who couldn't run. And the Cromwell horse, now as the hour was back from something like 18 to 1 into 9 to 4. And I swear to God, this is the ups and downs of like punting horses. If you were on that gamble, he was probably 10 or 12 lengths clear at the second last, 100% was going to win, and just had an inexplicable fall, rocked up the last day and won easily. So it was just like right horse, wrong day, very, very unlucky. Um, so the form has worked out well. Yeah, well, obviously, just, you know, it's a lesson in that there's no certainties. Um, no. It, it, like, if, if you, you could have, like, you were almost counting your money, but that's racing, it's ups and downs, and thankfully the horse was grand and won the next day. 25 years ago, Nick Dundee, some lions chased to Cheltenham, cruising with looks like trouble, and made, made, made the fence at the top of the hill all wrong, never was the same horse. Remember the, the, the documentary on it, you see Edward O'Grady in the stand, and just the shock. Yeah. Of like, oh my God, this mm. is like this, like that horse was, that was a Gold Cup winner for me, mm. that Nick Dundee was one of the best horses, novice horses. Remember him? Absolutely hammering horses as novice days, and that's just the way it goes. Mm. Um, the Opera Hat Mares chases at three forty at uh, Nace on Saturday. Uh, Allegri de Vassy, River de Tell, Silent Approach, uh, Instit, and Mascada. I'm like Mascada here, Henry de Bram. It's getting a bit of weight. I think ground is really important. She does go on heavy ground. It's a tough course for for horses on heavy ground. Uh, Nace. Um, she won the Grand Annual at Cheltenham. I think there are less question marks about her than the others. Some of the others have been very in and out for me. Yeah, for yeah, she does go particularly well on this ground, you know. Um, she's obviously held by um, Allegory de Vassi on running at Clonmel, but I think was better the last year behind El Fabiola. Spoke to Darrow Keefe, seems very happy with her. Um, this is a good race. Like, silent approach for under Sean Flanagan has been put in around 14, 16 to 1. Like, this horse has been a revelation. Beat Harmonia Maker at Cork um, and then ran into Splans Tower and Blood's Destiny um, at Punchdown. Didn't do much wrong. Maybe a small bit disappointing the last year. I think dropping back in triple run well. Probably go with Allegory de Vassi. You know, I, she when she was second to Impervious, I just think she ran into a, a better horse in the day. Um, obviously, has to reverse form Riviera to tell, but should be better than that. And just the way Willies are running, um, it's interesting. He's only running the two here, because I presume he would have had other options as well. Um, market's going to be fascinating, because you'd have to say nearly everything has a bit to prove in some respect. Yeah, anything else uh, nice that catches your eye? I'm always interested in these hunter chases, because I think the almost the pool of these hunter chases is quite small. Although you did a Premier Magic winning at Chatham. 66 to 1 last year, but um, it's on the line, I think, is a decent horse. He's only seven, and I think he's a horse to follow for Emmett Mullins. Uh, he won at Dan Royal at Christmas. He was second at Cheltenham. Uh, he won at Punchestown. I think he's he's definitely a horse worth worth keeping on the right side of, would you agree? Yeah, I, I mentioned I mentioned Union Station in the first half of the show, and he's a horse that he ran very well at Nace first time out. I'd definitely be um hoping that he'd win. Then just in the in the rated hurdle, um We've a good race. Well, Lark in the morning, JD is is a strong favourite here for JJ Slevin. And um, just the one thing about this horse is like he was pulled out on the basis of the ground at Fairy House. Um, so that that if he does run, you could take him on with something else in the race because he, he there would be a question mark about the ground. Um, and it, I think it is going to be heavy ground tomorrow. Another horse I wanted to mention. You mentioned the Hunter's Chase. Um, this is a cracking race because you've um, Animix. I mean, remember him? Like he's now he was a, a Richie horse, and Patrick Mullins has now snapped him up. Yeah, he's now he's a, not riding it. He's now an eleven-year-old. Yeah, Patrick. Like this is absolutely mad. Like Patrick owns Animix, but he's riding something else in the race. So it's kind of the the racing rules are like like obviously Patrick's ratio with Billaway, but it's like imagine if he's done by his own horse, he must have a ride yeah. smile. I don't even know the name of um, Mr. L. T. Turner. I should know that, but I, I I forgot to look this morning. But Animix is a bit of a character. He can go on and off the bridle. Um, 
Um, I backed to McLaren the last day and he he was all out to win in the end. But the other one horse I want to mention, JD, is actually um, we mentioned Terence O'Brien earlier, and this horse uh, is Whiskey Wealth. John Chinnick rides. <laughs> Ran into Dan and Joan Moore the last. He was only an eight to one chance. Didn't really get involved, but is coming back over hurdles off 113. And the last day he ran over hurdles at the second last. To me, I thought he was going to win, and he came down. He should be winning that uh, 305. I think met Ray Ritchie in the pub three or four years ago, and as with other people, and somewhere in Dublin. And I said, "Just give us one." He goes, "Animix." <laughs> yeah. I think there was a lot of high hopes for Animix. Oh, geez, yeah. He and was... he, like he just he might have had issues the horse, or whatever. Mm. And then he turned up like, and then the last couple of years, won a twenty-eight to one or something like that. He's still it? a very good horse on his day, and uh, that's going to be fun. That race, Patrick will eighteen win to one. He was at yeah. one at Ferry House last year. In that was that mad race. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what's going on at, at Nace on Saturday. Uh, now, Newbury on Saturday, heavy, soft in places. At a couple of grade twos, the Demon Chase. This is all about Chishkin, Johnny. Eight pounds better on official ratings than the others. Won well at Aintree last season. Could have won the King George if he hadn't kind of had a um, Devon Lock moment. If he doesn't win this, it's disappointing. I, I just can't have Protector out as a horse. I don't like Protector out. I don't think he's a grade one horse. I think he's not a handicapper. He's somewhere in the middle. But if Chishkin, if Nicky Henderson thinks he's going to be a Gold Cup contender, he has to win this. Has he ever won on heavy ground? Yeah, he has, yeah, in his hurdling career, yeah. He won at Newbury. We beat Shake Him Up Harry. So he's had one win on heavy ground. He won on soft at Cheltenham. I remember it was quite soft today. Yeah, he although, like, the day he bombed at Cheltenham, when um, a couple of challenges back, and Nicky Henderson That's was right, playing yeah. the ground. So I think it was Clarence House Chase was the reason for that. Yeah, I, I, I'm i not sure about him. I Protectorate, I'm kind of, I, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm a little bit with you on this. I'm kind of like, again, he's, he's, I don't know if he's ever actually won on heavy ground as much as he likes soft. Sam Brown, who comes in at 12-year-old rated 152. Don't be surprised. He's actually been backed. Just looking at the, he's come in to sort of 12 to 1. William Hilly would have been a good bit bigger than that. Um, but he's actually going to run his race. And I'd be wary. This hitman has had a wind up. He looks like he might be slightly uh, gone at the game. Does he know? Obviously, shouldn't be good enough. But Shishkin for me. Are you form coming in here? He obviously refused. Don't forget that he refused in his season of return. I think he probably won the, would have won the King George. But I'd be wary of him on on this ground. And it's, it's interesting that. Uh, Nicky Henderson thinks that you know you can't be afraid of Galpin Deschamps. So um, although he's afraid of running constitutional against anyone, it seems. But very very interesting race this one. I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't be amazed if anything happened. He's done everything in the game. He's never won the Grand National. You know, mm. Nicky Henderson never won the Grand National. Mm. In all his career and everything that's happened, amazingly, he hasn't had one to win the Grand National. That is mad. Maybe, um, I don't know if Shishkin is entered, is he? Um, he'd be an interesting <laughs> runner in around the entry fences, but uh, very interesting races. Uh, the Game Spirit Chase at 240 at Newbury on Saturday. Uh, Edward Stone, Boot Hill, Editor Jijish, Funambul, Sivilla, who's won the race twice, but is out of form, and Amarillo Sky. Now, remember the Tizards had uh, the winner with Elixir de Nuts against John Ban the last time at Cheltenham. So Amarillo Sky, I think, was seen as a better horse, a course and distance winner at Newbury. Uh, has form on soft, but not on heavy. A bit of money for him. Um, is he hoping to get into the graded scene after being a, a really good handicapper? He is interesting. I suppose Edward Stone, on the basis of his ARCA run a couple of years ago when he won that race, um, I just don't know if he's in the same form that he was. And I think he probably wants better ground. But back at two miles, Edward Stone. Look, he could win this by default. Yeah, that's kind of my looking at it. Um, you know, Edward Agit has cheek pieces on for the first time. He... Um completely bombed out at Cheltenham the last day I, I I would have been wary of Edward Stone's stamina um, behind Banbridge and I, I think I'd probably give him a pass on that he's run, his runs behind John Baum were fine he's, he is what he is now he's 10 he's rated 162 he's not really top class but the rest of these you've kind of some doubts Boot Hill is obviously interesting as well he's is he a like, handicapper? well he was 11-8 the last day so he wasn't um, 
he was deemed to be in the Desert Orchid. He was eleven to eight off a mark of one hundred and fifty eight. So that's that's probably good enough to give him a big chance here if he were to get over. Like he's that a, he's, he is a real two matter. Yeah, fair. and he was. I thought he was traveling fine. Um, but whether you'd back him at nine to four now, I think with Edward Stone, who's kind of disputing favoritism, um, probably will go off favorite actually. I think with Edward Stone, I, I'd I'd be of the mind that he's going to run his race. Um, it's really great for me. I just wouldn't be sure. Very in and out performer. Um. Yeah, and it's hard, kind of hard to know with Emery Luskoy. Okay, the Betfair hurdle, uh, three fifteen on Saturday at Newbury. Um, I think that with all these races is like you've got heavy ground potentially. You've got a lot of horses in quite a compressed handicap at the top of the weights. Is it the class horse at the top, or is it a horse that's ahead of the handicapper with a low weight? Um, I suppose which horse is not in the grip of the handicapper is the kind of the, the question I was asking myself when I looked through all of these yesterday. Yeah, Lucia is a funny one because she won um, the big handicap at Ascot. I think I put her up in the Gravewood when she was third. Um, but that could be the key form race here, JD, because the, the Gravewood is a race that Paul Byrne has kind of targeted. Um, it's been an inc- I used to work with Paul in the race, it's just been an incredible success story. Again, Jeroboam Mashin winning the bumper. You tipped it, didn't you? Leopard's- I did because I, I, I actually ended up... 12-1 um, to 1 winner, Johnny, the live roadshow. I, I I just wasn't I couldn't have a dream to share with the with the story of his season and the race, Redemption Day. The race was a mess. Redemption Day, in fairness, ran okay, but I I was but anyway the the, the Gravewood only a matter of time was running for Danny Mullins rode the horse in the Gravewood. The horse went up the inner, but he'd in echoes of um Corbett's Cross um, at Cheltenham. He he he'd run out at Cork, but he ran out again um, at Cheltenham, which is really weird. So obviously at Ascot they were kind of like well. You know, you have to put this horse among horses anyway and, and basically kind of cover him up. That was the race Lucia won. He's only sent off four to one. Um, and he's had, what, two starts for Willie Mullins. Um, and Paul Byrne, you know, has, has now targeted a couple of horses as, at this race. He's also running uh, lower in the rates. He's running Al- Alvanley. But I, I, this horse is just looking at the price here. Um, you can get a bit of 16 to one uh, only a matter of time. I'd be more than happy to give him another chance. Like he's, he's only having his third run for Willie Mullins. He was eye-catching at Cork when he ran out. He's basically running off give or take the same mark if you allow the BHA difference in. And he didn't run badly at Ascot. I mean, he was a four to one chance. Now he's four times that price. Um, and at the top of the weights is Lucia, who obviously ran in both of those races, and is a mare who's only six who has to give weight away. I think on the ground, JD, like it's kind of a bit of a glib statement, but I, you'd, you would be sort of looking for horses that A, will handle it, but B, um, having much weight on their backs. This would be very, very testing ground. The other two meetings in Britain called off tomorrow. What do you like? Yeah, um, well, I did like tell her the name, but I'm looking at odds checker at the moment and I'm getting a lot of the gaps. I don't think this horse is going to run. But you've got to remember this horse's name. Tell not, her the name. Yet. Tell her the name because Ben Pauling thinks it's possibly the best horse he's ever had. Mm. Um, better than Willoughby Corsi. won at Cheltenham. Um, the form, uh, the horse that beat Farring Glory uh, was a Django Bai or at Aintree. Um, he mm. and Tell Her the Name ran very close together in a race earlier this season. Um, so uh, Harry Cobbton was down to ride him. Um, they want to run him in the Supreme Novices Hurdle. I think they think he's got a lot of uh, speed. So therefore, you could have understood if it's good ground tomorrow, you could have understood that this horse would have a really good chance. But I think they're going to scratch him. 135 so, yeah, very yeah. interesting. So you've yeah. got to keep an, a, 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 an eye out for that one. So there's two I'm going to go for here, actually. Uh, the Spirit Danu. Um, now, Gary Moore has been pessimistic about it because he thinks you need a champion hurdle horse to win this. But I just think with a compressed handicap, this horse like absolutely cruised clear on heavy ground last time. 
Uh, he's five. There's more to come. Um, his only defeats were in first runs of the season. Spirit Danu. Now, my, he might have too much weight at about nine to one. The other one I liked, uh, Nigel Twiston Davies has trained the winner of this race three times in the last 10 years, including with outsiders. So, Norman Fletcher in a first handicap um, of 11 stone with Sam Twiston Davies uh, goes in the ground with 11 stone, I think is a fair weight. So, Norman Fletcher is 28 to one. So I'd like Spirit Danu and Norman Fletcher in that race. I'm not opposed to in bigger fields backing two horses. To me, it's all about profit. It's not about winning or losing. It's about profit at the end of the race. Do you have more money in your account than you did or in your pocket before the race started? So it's about profit. You've got to think differently if you're going to have a punt on anything. It's not about winning or losing. It's about profit. So if you back two horses in a race, one of them wins, one of them loses or they both get placed or one gets placed. But if you make a profit rather than a loss, do you agree with this? Because I remember uh, 2013 Grand National at Aintree, my main tip was T for three and Aurora's Encore was my saver tip. They both jumped the last in front. Aurora's Encore won at 80 to one. T for three was third at 12 to one, both each way. Got profit out of both horses and obviously two of them in the same race. Do you advocate backing more than one horse in a race or not? I generally don't do it, but it's, I've, I, it's absolutely makes sense at times. Like sometimes I'll have, if I really fancy a horse in a race and I, 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 have, I consider one horse a danger, I'll have my stake to win uh, a certain amount on the horse I fancy and the other horse I'll have enough that if that horse wins, I'll get my money back at worst. So it's like a saver bet. William Hill is paying seven each way places in this race. Why would you not back two or three horses? No reason at all. A fifth of the odds, seven places. And that's an incredible offer. And I've no, like if you're if you have a twenty runner handicap, having three or four smallish bets in it, it's absolutely and it's great fun when they're all in contention yeah. over the last, which doesn't always happen. But just bet responsibly and betting responsibly can can involve having a couple of um, horse in a race if both horses are overpriced back both. Uh, so Iberico Lord is interesting because he did win the Grade One Hurdle. I think he needs softer ground than he got the last time at Ascot, and I almost feel that Lucia wants better ground. Yeah, I uh, agree with that. Uh, Ocastle de Mott, how can you back this horse? The fact he's never run in the UK or Ireland. He could be a machine, but how do you know? Um, Iberico Lord is the interesting one. because Yes, well, Nico de Boinville riding him says a lot as well. Yeah, you, you do feel that the jockey said the gelding stopped quickly the last day. But the, to me, I mean, I fancied him there. I thought he was sort of nicely touted um, when he won at Cheltenham. Um, and all this great would form again. But he, he'd only gone up eight pounds. He's a likely race six-year-old. You'd have to think he's better than that run at Ascot. Um, so Lucia, him, uh, obviously have reverse form. And then you bring in the, the Paul uh, Bernhorst into the mix. So I think... Um, It'll be fa- Brian Hayes is picking up a lot of very good rides now, and yeah. um, very good rides, uh, kind of for Willie and Emma Mullins. And uh, this horse is still running off, uh, running off 115 in Britain is the same as running off sort of 105 here. And when he did run that day in Cork, Shane O'Callaghan rode him that day. I understand Shane O'Callaghan was still very confident he would have won, but he ran out twice. So um, I think Brian will cover him up and hope for the best. Okay, so just another one to note: our champ won at Cheltenham earlier in the season. Uh, Chris Gordon had the winner of this last year. He's off 10, so on 7 now. Has had a wind surgery. Might prefer better ground, though. But once again, our champ is not a forlorn hope if he does like the, the heavy ground he's going to get at... Uh Newbury on Saturday Brentford Hope as well who I think if I remember correctly could have been favoured for the Derby at one point when he was trained by Richard Hughes horse by Camelot um, in one of his most profe- impressive flat performances was in heavy ground for Jamie Spencer I don't know if he'd really want this ground but keep an eye on him he, he still has a story to tell OK so for members I'm going to actually put two in this uh, uh, Bedford hurdle uh, so William Hill Payne uh, first 
50 odds for seven places. 50 odds for seven places. And with William Hill, you have Spirit Danu is 8 to 1, and Norman Fletcher is 28 to 1. Going to put them both up for members in the 315 at Newbury. Johnny, do you want in this? Is it the bottom one? Yeah, I'm going to put up. Um it's only a matter of time. It always makes me think of that character and the boring reason for the table. But it only it is only a matter of time before this horse, at least if not comes good, runs better than his R R six or O six form would suggest for um for Paul Byrne and Willie Mullins. And this the the stable switch angle has has worked very well for Paul in the past. And this was a he actually was a uh, he beat I will be Bay in by in a in a bumper as well this horse and he could he could be well in if he puts his act together and he's fourteen sixteen to one seven places. Johnny enjoyed it episode thirteen of the racing pod. Thanks to William Hill. Have a enjoyable weekend watching the horses. The racing pod on off the ball with William Hill. Best odds guaranteed on all Irish and UK racing. Eighteen plus. See gamblingcare.ie.